0: Great customer experience rules the world of business in our digital age. Expectations are higher than ever. And the companies that deliver, they're on top because they know how to harness the power of artificial intelligence and automation. Want to sharpen your acumen? Then tune in to the CX experience. Each episode, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in digital. From AI and machine learning to analytics and automation, you'll learn it all. And now... Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh.
1: The topic being great resignation, why are all these people resigning? We know there are lots of factors. Mm -hmm. I think the pandemic and the lockdowns clearly have a psychological impact. I mean, there's just no way that's not the case, right? So what do we all do? Reflect. We sat around reflecting and thinking about things. Well, what do I want to do? Did I enjoy myself? you know, a lot of people get into a rut either in a job or out of a job, and it's hard to, to get out of that rut because you're kind of feeling down. But I think to your point, Nicole, what's very exciting is from a values, from a principles perspective, if you as a leader, as a manager, as a CEO of your company, if you instill those values and you show that, you can't just put it on paper. You have to live that life and kind of understand your own value system. And that may take some reflection, but as long as you practice what you preach, People really like that. I mean, I'll give you one interesting stat, or that's no, not really a stat, it's a little tidbit of information from a company in our industry, a database company, where they said when that whole lockdown hit, they issued an, an email to the entire company that said, just so you know, we're not going to lay anybody off for at least three months. We don't know where this thing is going, but we don't want you to know. Nothing like that's going to happen. I thought that is pretty cool that they would go out and just make this sort of statement to the organization because it's bold and it can calm people down, right? If you're worried, to your point, Nicole, about not being able to make ends meet, and then you're worried about losing your job. Well, those concerns can have a very significant impact on your behavior and how you interact with people, whether it's inside the organization, outside the organization. So showing that empathy and not just putting it on paper, but really being there for your employees, that goes a long way to keeping people around and to really earning that trust and that camaraderie. Right, Nicole?
2: Exactly. Exactly. And companies that didn't take those kinds of steps. You know, that company was transparent. They didn't say we're not going to let anybody go, but they were clear. They addressed the fears. They realized that this was an unprecedented situation. So, companies that were like that, companies that really went the extra mile during the pandemic, most likely those companies are going to have an increase in being able to retain their employees. Companies that did not think now that's where they're going to start seeing they're going to have a harder time, you know, retaining those employees. And we hear about people wanting to do more meaningful work. Uh, we hear about older generations exiting the workforce. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting is there's this, these generations, Gen Z and, and some millennials, that they're about resume building. Mm. And they're not like, say, you know, my generation, which is... Part Gen X, even though I've trained my nephew to that auntie's 29, and this year he said auntie was 30, so it's a like, great job. <laughs> Their resume building, they're recognizing that the rules have changed. The rules right. have changed. And so to get ahead, maybe spending two years in a position, they're looking at diverse organizations, and even looking for what's exciting, like working at a Google is exciting. Working at a big insurance company may not be appealing. So depending on the organization, it's even, is what I'm doing, is it fun? Am Great. I engaged? Is this mentally stimulating? And if it's not, it, they may not even choose to look at your organization to fill your skill
1: gaps. Right. No, that's right. That's, that's a very interesting point too. And let me, I'll bring Katrina back in. You know, as I'm thinking about the great resignation and why it's happening and and what it all means, there are, as I mentioned, lots of forces that come into play. And one of them is just the technology side. There are all these great technologies that we can use, artificial intelligence, machine learning, analytics, that like we, we alluded to the process. You have to capture the data, normalize the data to a certain extent, analyze the data, try to understand what it means in a particular context, and then start making some decisions. But the point I'll make here is there's a whole lot more Ops going on, and there always was ops, it's just that the ops are changing, right? Like, we started with DevOps, where developers work with business operations people on the front line, and that went extremely well. I think it, it went a long way to kind of tearing down the IT business divide, which was really prominent in the 90s and the aughts, and you know, it's, it's kind of fading a bit today with the cloud. But nonetheless, now we're in data ops, marketing ops, ML ops, AI ops, all these. Anytime you hear that ops term, that's work. That's people doing work. And there are lots of different ways to do that work. Yes, you can automate stuff, but there's always going to be some rubber meets road Function or process at the end of all that automation that some person does, whether it's interacting with customers, prospects, or whatever the case may be, but it, it's a wildly different landscape right now, even than it was five years ago. The cloud, in, in and of itself, is changing things fundamentally. But uh, Katrina, I'll throw it over to you. What the reason? What I'd like to hear from you is your thoughts on how HR can really facilitate the growth of employees, the growth of people in their career and in their happiness and so forth, using this data by understanding, all right, well, who is this person really? How can I help this person? I think that's the ideal HR director, right? It's someone who's really thinking in terms of proactive nurturing as opposed to reactive discipline. What do you think?
3: The connotation with HR is that HR is only brought in when something bad is happening, and it's a very reactive mindset. So how do we get HR, the only department that has access to every single employee in an organization, to step in and have very frequent touch points with each employee? And that can be in numerous ways. I think Nicole really hit it when she talked about outcomes. So less about, I think, positions at this point, when we talk about flexibility, I think there's like this assumption in flexibility that well you can work whatever hours you want as long as you work like 20 hours <laughs> right <laughs> um and that's like that's the misconception what what flexibility in my opinion really means is okay here's Nicole's position plan here are the five outcomes that she's responsible for the tasks that she has to do to get those outcomes that's the flexibility i don't really care what she does as long as it's within, you know, moral company values, as long as she's getting these outcomes, these four to five outcomes. So that's where the flexibility comes in. So asking, this requires everyone to ask themselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm
0: -hmm. So,
3: so if you're doing certain tasks, because you're just being told to do those tasks, you need to ask yourself why and do those tasks contribute to these outcomes that you're responsible for. So this does two things. This, this provides flexibility in terms of what an employee is going to be spending their time doing throughout the day. And this also empowers them to have a voice. Mm-hmm. Because if I am if I own employee engagement, that metric is mine. And my responsibility is to improve employee engagement by 10% in Q2, for example. Then if Nicole, who's managing her team, which I doubt she would ever do this because she seems absolutely amazing. But if she's not not engaged with her employees, and I realized her department has the lowest engagement of the organization, I'm empowered to have that conversation with her and say, hey, Nicole, listen, I'm responsible for this KPI in the organization. How can we work together to improve the engagement in your department? So you have flexibility in tasks, essentially, and you have empowered voices because they own that single You know metric, so I think that's that's one way that organizations can really start rethinking what employees are doing on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, as far as data and technology goes, you know, one of when we look at all of the information we have access to, we are in data overload. I mean, there's there's a LinkedIn article here and then there's something, I mean, like managers are are being pulled in so many different directions and they're launching initiatives that have nothing to do with their actual demographic of the team that they're leading. You know, for I'll give you an example. A, a company issues, you know, pet insurance. They want to pay pet insurance for all of their employees. Well, that's fine. But if only 3% of your employees have pets, this isn't really a benefit that is going to be engaging for a lot of employees. So when we talk about data, it's finding out what do your employees actually want? What right. do they prefer in terms of benefits and perks and flexibility and hybrid coming back to the office and so we have this, you know, Nobody should be going to the office. Well, you know what? Sometimes that's a very going to the office is more mentally healthy for some employees, mm-hmm. whether it's an office that's that's company sponsored or it's a co-working office, you know, near where they live. But so, but trying to put these like blanket, you know, policies or philosophies over the the workforce at large really is what I'm seeing happening. It's a workforce, it's not even an organization at large, it's a workforce at large. Mm. then you're just, we are not going to stabilize people leaving. Um, And we're not going to see the stabilization of people growing roots anywhere because quite frankly, people don't know what they want right now as we've all come out of the pandemic changed. Every single one of us, there's not a single person that has stayed the same going through different things. Some marginal groups affected far differently than others. And so if you want data, ask your employees what they want and what they prefer before launching initiatives.
1: <laughs> right. Ask and you shall receive, right? Don't be afraid to ask open-ended questions too. That's another classic tactic is asking open-ended questions. So what's going on with you? What are you doing? And then pay attention. That's the key is to listen to what they're telling you you know, on this topic of keeping people focused and having reasonable expectations and expectations that can be measured. I love this, this concept of having someone own the metric and then you monitor the metric. And yes, at some point you may need to modify the metric. You may need to be realistic about something. It's maybe not going up or down uh, like you want. uh, So you have to be aware of that, but That way you can measure people in a meaningful way that can be validated and therefore is not just someone's opinion. Right, Nicole?
2: That's correct. Many frontline managers, especially more as you go into operations, and we've got a lot of automation that's happened there. It happened with straight through processing, eliminating paper, but amazingly, here we are uh, several decades later and your biggest pool of labor force is still, you know, in operations areas. And for those folks, it's, um, you know, it's important that you're not overloading them. Mm -hmm. Great. We have big data. We don't need to slice and dice everything and put it in front of every person. So what matters most Be very clear on what people are going to be measured on, what's based on their performance reviews, and then everything else are things that they can see as levers to adjust and impact those and provide things to them in in real time. So when they do have their one-on-one with their manager, it's not the dreaded, oh, no, when am I going to find out that I'm doing wrong? Oh, no. This is, you know... what. It's very dreading. And alternatively, it's the same thing for the manager. Managers used to be having to do more with anecdotal versus analytical. And so, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned, operations, like you mentioned, statistics, you know, the data that they had, it's disparate. It's all over the place. There's. In multiple CRM systems of record, etc., which is very different from a contact center. So they're trying to stitch data together and they're making judgment calls. They're saying, Well, in my experience, if Craig is getting a thousand widgets done, he must be super busy, right? Um, instead of not having the metrics to see, Oh, well, yeah, Craig was super busy, but um, Can he get those things done? But he also wasn't even focused on doing work for half the day. So he did all his targets by noon. So, numbers, metrics, metrics, data tells a story. Mm-hmm. And the lack of data creates blind spots and it gives us this perception that we don't have. And if you think of every story, right, stories have an arc. So, when you're using data, it really needs to be actionable. Relevant and most importantly, consumable by people. Right. so they know they know what they're doing. So the more qualitative quantitative data you have, you're going to have more story behind those qualitative discussions, but it's fair it it, it levels the playing field, and employees feel like they're being, managed and coached fairly and it takes fear out of the managers as well because now here's some evidence that's
1: concrete. What Nicole was just saying is reminding me of how we got here and what's going on and what's going on with this whole great resignation. And throughout the whole pandemic and this lockdown period that is uh now ending, knock on wood, I let's face it, we all did a lot of reflection and wondered to ourselves what's important? What do I want to do? Kind of to your point a minute ago and that's a really key thing both on a long term level in other words over your life or your period is period in your life because you go through different changes of course but also on a day to day basis and just knowing what to do next knowing what priority to have next you know we're starting to see it's kind of interesting, even Microsoft and some other companies are sort of putting this out there, that uh, you have to have thinking time for yourself, like carve out some time just to ponder, to be still, to your point earlier. So that's important. All the changing dynamics and technology, that's important. But and knowing what you, where you want to go, that's important. And knowing what you want to do and what you should do today, like right now, what are your priorities? What are your signals to tell you what to focus on? Yes, you have deliverables, clients are calling, et cetera. Going to make some time to think through strategically, as my as my good friend says, uh, busy is the enemy of creative, which I think is kind of funny. But uh, it's a great opportunity right now to to rethink things, to rethink business processes. I think we're in a really almost like a tabula rasa moment here in terms of redefining business processes and redefining the human side of business. And I I think is the is the gauntlet being thrown down to HR. But what do you think?
3: I talked about an article that was. On LinkedIn, and then it was shared by multiple people. And the way they were, it was like the employees' fault, employees are entitled, blah, 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 blah. And then it's the employers' fault, employers are not showing up for their employees. And it's really not anything like that. It's really just the global transition of values. And I I have a better, it's not about what do I need to do, but who am I
0: Mm -hmm. now?
3: In terms of values, not in terms of labels, not not our you know political category or our our generation name, and but who am I and what do I value most in my life and how am I going to define those values? And in a in a list of you know fifty to one hundred values, an individual person really only prioritizes a handful of them. Hmm. Um, So of course, naturally, we care about all of those values, but in our day to day behaviors. Which ones are we actually seeing through? And for those that aren't, that means they're just disconnected from who they are and what they really want. So an example I'll give you is the value of integrity. Um, What does integrity actually mean to you in your life? Is it doing what I say I'll do when I say I'll do it? Great. That's a great value to have. What that'll tell me then is and, and a couple things will happen is you're going to when it when you're not doing what you say you're going to do, you're going to like feel something inside of you, you know, and then that is a signal for you to start managing your expectations a lot better.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so so it's it's less about, in my opinion, what what am I going to do? What do I need to do? And more about, well, who am I first? I think everybody, including organizations, need to stop and ask themselves, who am I? And also find some peace in knowing that everyone's asking themselves this question. Right. And so the great resignation and, and the data that we receive from the great resignation, in my opinion, causes a lot of distress, not just for employers, but for employees, too, when the root analysis of it is everybody's just asking themselves, who the heck am I now? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And so you have employers who are trying to, employers, a leadership team made up of humans who don't know who they are right now either, (laughs) trying trying to launch initiatives to employees who don't know who they are. And then you have like two infants trying to communicate to each other. And that's why we have these like astounding statistics. The disengagement rate is most, some studies say 64%. I read one that was eight, up to eighty-five percent. We're in an era where the workplace is really, in the last you know fifty years, better than it has ever been before. Right, and so so something's not working.
1: I mean, I remember the dot com days when that—that's when you first started seeing ping pong tables and pool tables and video games and all kind of stuff in the working area for people because it was younger people. That was a clever thing to do changing there are different tactics that that people can use from a management perspective but kind of to your point the key is to really know what you want to do we can learn from data is the bottom line we can learn about ourselves we can learn about our prospects we can learn about our market and to continue to focus on that and then use the data to fine-tune your instincts don't don't think that your gut instinct is wrong your gut always tells you something that's right you just may have the context wrong or the specifics wrong but you're still on the right track real quick what do you think nicole
2: I would agree and I think the right thing to do when it comes to dealing with data is to bring everybody to the table. Mm. Katrina hit on a good point, collaborative intelligence. Together mm-hmm. we can look at the data, we're going to bring our perceptions, our knowledge and when you bring variable people to the data to the table and examine the data, you're going to distill much more impactful insights.
1: Uh, I, my history with HR, the first time I heard about what HR is, I was like 15 and I was like, ooh, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) I don't think I like the sound (laughs) of this HR stuff. And, uh, lo and behold, I became my own boss. And, uh, so when you are the boss, you are the HR department until it gets big enough to hire people. But it's a really important role. I think it's a very important role, just like management is very important. And, I recall back in the way, back in the 90s, we had a sort of flattening of the organization. A lot of middle management went away for cost-cutting reasons. And I think we lost some of the art of, ma- of management, which is really important. But we'll talk about that today in the context of customer, and employee experience for the great resignation, the key is to use data, use analysis, use all the tools at your disposal to understand what your business is doing, how it impacts your employees, first of all, of course, and also your customers and your prospects. And uh, those are not really separate things. You can do all of that at once if you have the right strategy and you use information to benefit your organization.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the CX experience. We hope you learned a thing or two and check out Varent.com for case studies, eBooks and white papers about the ultimate customer experience.